Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And we're continuing in a teaching series that we've been in for several months now. And uh, if you would stand with me in the honor of reading of God's Word, we're going to read God's Word together. Uh, This is, by grace, this is what we as a church want to build our lives upon, what God says, what He teaches. One of the things that we say in our church is if, if we ever say something from up here or teach to do something, you have the right Actually, you have the responsibility to say, where are you getting that from? And so we want to build our lives on the Word of of God, on on the Word of Christ. And today, in chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 21, and we're going to be looking at uh, genuine Christian love. What is genuine Christian love? What does it look like? So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, we're we're going to have it on the screen. We're going to begin with verse 9, but this is the Word of God. This is God's Word, so let's pay attention to what He has to say to us this morning. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing. Showing what? Honor and showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Here's a good one. Bless those who bless you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise. Never be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, as as we've seen in the passage that we just read, genuine love is, uh, it's, it's wonderful It's, it's who you are. It's, it's how you have displayed your care and your love for us. And so as we're looking at this passage, as we're looking at 
uh, what is impossible for us to do in our own strength. I pray that you would encourage us with your Holy Spirit and that, that you would show us how to take steps, steps forward in growing in genuine love. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in the words of Colonel Hannibal Smith from the A-Team, I love it when a plan comes together. Amen? Uh, like yesterday, uh, if you weren't able to be here, I wish you could have been here. For those of you who were here, it was a great day of, of uh, spring cleaning. This place was literally turned upside down with people outside doing mulch. Uh, the chairs, every single chair that you're sitting in was cleaned. Um, they were turned upside down. This place was literally turned upside down. Uh, this stage was torn apart. Uh, cords and stuff were being reorganized. Doors were being taken down. Doors were being repaired. Um, people were mopping, sweeping. It was a beautiful sight. But you know, the thing about what happened yesterday, it didn't happen by accident. It happened because we had a plan. We had a plan, and uh, because, you know, because nobody knows everything, our staff came together, and everybody on the st our staff had the ability to give input and to receive input. And not only our staff, many of you in this room gave input on where we should put things. I love the way things are set up. As Colton said earlier, the REACH kids, our check-in is different. Uh, the, the coffee bar is different, the way that, that things are set up. We, we set things up. We're trying to organize things in a way that helps us to love one another and to love people better. And uh, the, the, the thing I'm trying to get at is that when humans make plans, when you make plans, when we make plans and they're big plans, we need input, don't we? But when it comes to God's plans, when it comes to God and his plans, it's, uh, it's, it's slightly, a slightly different story. Uh, he doesn't need input, does he? God doesn't need his, our input when he's showing us his plan. It's because one of the reasons, one of his attributes is being omniscient. Uh, he is infinitely wise. He's, he has infinite understanding. That word infinite, I don't even know what that really means because I'm, I'm finite. But he, his, his understanding is not limited. It keeps going and going and going. Uh, he doesn't need my counsel. He doesn't need our input. And here's the thing about God. He always knows what's best, doesn't he? When we were setting things up, we were like, this may be the best thing. We don't know. If it's not, we'll change it. When God gives a plan, it's the best plan. And not only that, he knows not only what's best, but he always does what's best for his children, for his people. And because of that, listen, church, because he always does what's best and because he knows everything, we should, and I put that in quotation marks, we should always want to call, for him to call the shots. We should want him to call the shots. But, you know, if you've been following Jesus for three minutes, you know that Jesus will often lead us to places that we don't want to go, right? Uh, he will often put us into awkward uh, situations and difficult situations that we would not choose apart from him leading us there or putting us there. And he does that because he wants us to learn how to trust him. And so if you follow Jesus, one of the things that at the very beginning that he tells us and that we need to understand is if you follow Jesus, he gets to call the shots, doesn't he? He's king. He's Lord. He's, he's wise. 
and he knows what he's doing. And sometimes, though, the things that he calls us to do don't make sense to us. They make sense, but they don't make sense to us in the t- immediately, in the, in the moment. Like when God raised up little Gideon. Remember Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7? He was this guy that, was, that, that seems to have been kind of uh, timid. And uh, he said, it says that he was um, the least in his father's tribe. But God comes to Gideon. He likes to use weak people to, glo- to bring his glory through. And he raises him up uh, to conquer this great Midianite army. But the Lord does something with Gideon, if you, if you remember the account, uh, that seems humanly foolish. He basically dwindles his, Gideon's already small army of 32,000 men down to 300. And then he takes all of their swords and their shields away from, him, from them, and he arms them with some really great uh, weapons, trumpets, clay pots, and torches. And then he leads them into this battle against what's estimated to be about 135,000 armed Midianites. And I know that, you know, Gideon had to have been thinking at some point, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? Um, you're, you're making me look like a fool. What I'm about to do makes me look like a fool. And I've done the math, and humanly speaking, 300 cannot conquer 135,000, humanly speaking. But with, with God, all things are possible, right? And so Gideon trusts God. He obeys God, and God delivers his people. And in a similar way, church, Jesus has led us into a battle, hasn't he? He's called us to enter into a battle, um, into a society that is becoming more and more hostile to his kingdom and to his followers. And what he's instructed us, church, and we've been talking about this week after week, he has instructed us to stay together, be united, and to wage war with our enemies, to charge the hill. And like Gideon, though, he has taken away our earthly armor, our earthly uh, weapons, and he's given us the weapon of love. And he goes, go to battle with that. And if you've done the math, when you're in conflict with somebody and they're trying to defeat you, uh, humanly speaking, sometimes love does not make sense. Especially when I can look at the arsenal I've got, I could take care of you really quick with my arsenal, but God says, use the weapon of love. This requires faith, doesn't it, to follow Jesus? And this morning, we're going to be examining what genuine love looks like, uh, the, the, the very um, weapon that God has issued to us to go into battle. And one of the things before we get into it, I want you to realize is that this is the exact weapon that Jesus was armed with. This is the exact weapon that Jesus conquered us with. This is the exact weapon that Jesus conquered the world with. And so we need to see that. It's, it's tried. It's, it's tested. And I want to confess to you, at this week as I was going through this passage, it literally shredded me to pieces um, as I began to examine uh, this passage because it reveals who Jesus is. Um, That's not the part that shredded me because it's, man, it makes me want to worship Jesus. The part that shredded me is it reminds me of who I am. 
apart from Jesus and how far I have to go. I can, I can get discouraged if I'm not careful, if I don't believe that actually when he convicts, it's because he wants to show you an area that he wants to grow you in and change you in. So this morning, I want to I ask you, as we go through this passage, and it's going to be a pretty simple message. I'm going to go verse by verse and go and try to explain what, what each section means. But I want you to encourage you, let the, the Word of God examine you this morning. Uh, let, it, let it do its work. Let it, if, if need be, let it convict you. There's, you should not leave here. Listen, you should not leave here going, man, I'm pretty awesome. You should leave here going, thank you, Lord, for showing me an area that you want to grow me in so that I can be more like Jesus. You guys with me on this? Okay, so let's go ahead and start uh, in our passage. If you're taking notes uh, on the back of the weekly, you can take notes, but write this down. This is our first uh, gospel truth I want to see is that genuine love isn't two-faced. Genuine love isn't two-faced. Look at verse 9. It says, let love be genuine. The word genuine literally means without hypocrisy. And in the first century, um, hypocrites wasn't, was not a bad word. It was Hypocrites were actors, and they would wear masks to cover their faces. The masks would often have different emotions, and, and they would uh, cover themselves with these masks and pretend to be someone that they were not in real life. That's what, that's what a hypocrite is. It's someone that wears a mask and pretends to be someone that they are not. Telemarketers. When I think of hypocrites, I think of telemarketers. Now listen, if you're a telemarketer, you don't have to be a hypocrite. And I have the highest respect for you. I cannot imagine how many times you hear click, click, you know, hello, click, and it's immediate click, right? Uh, when, when you're trying to, hey, my, and it's click, right? I, you've got to have a lot of endurance. You don't have to be a hypocrite, but there's this one telemarketer that calls me all the time. And I know not, and I don't, another thing about you telemarketers, I put block on there and somehow you still get my number. You, you, you got another number that comes through. But anyway, that's not what this message is about. But uh, here's the one that always is on my voicemail. It says this, hey, James, I, I just wanted to follow up on our last phone conversation and let you know that you've been pre-approved for $2 billion, you know, something like that. And I'm thinking, and here's what I'm thinking. We never had a, a first phone conversation, and you are being fake with me. You're lying to me, and that means you're never going to persuade me to do business with you. I, and why? Because I don't trust you with our very first conversation. Church, we need to be careful because that's the way that we can be in this world, isn't it? We break trust when we're not truly who we truly are. We have a, a saying here at the church that we want people to be where they really are. We want you to be able to come in here and be where you really are, not pretend to be something you're not. And then we want to help you go in Christ to not stay where you are, to take a step forward. And there is a fake two-faced uh, type of love where, where we can pretend to love one another face-to-face -face and then when we're not with each other, we are backbiting and we're gossiping behind one another's back. It's that counterfeit love that Judas had. 
that Judas displayed when he betrayed Jesus with a kiss of friendship. And so Paul, right off the bat, is warning us to beware of turning the church into a two-faced performance, a stage where we just pretend to love one another on the outside when it's not the reality. He says, make sure your love is genuine. He then he says, abhor what is evil. Now that word abhor means to be horrified by something. It means that, that you despise it so much that you are going to try to avoid it at all costs. Um, there's one thing in this world that I abhor, and that's poison ivy and poison oak. And I'm not exaggerating. I avoid it at all costs. And that's because when I was in fifth grade, I was out working on a bank, and it was fi- I didn't know it was filled with poison oak and poison ivy and just ripping it out with my hands. Uh, it got into my bloodstream, and uh, it just totally covered my body in just uh, welts and uh, blisters. I couldn't bend my fingers. Um, I looked like Rocky Balboa, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, my skin looked like I literally had been burned in a fire. And I remember the, the, it was torturous, honestly. And because of that, listen, if we're ever working in a field and there's poison ivy, I'm not going over there. It's not because I'm lazy in, in all the time. It's because, it's because I abhor evil. Poison ivy is evil. In the same way, love, true love, abhors evil, is horrified, is despises, does everything it can to avoid evil. And the more that we grow in our love for Christ, we will begin to hate evil. Not people. We will hate evil. We will hate that evil is taking people away from God. There is a difference. He then says, hold fast to what is good. That word hold fast means to cling to. It means to join oneself to, to be glued to, like in marriage. Uh, Genuine love calls us to align ourselves with and to cling to what God says is good. Hate that which is evil, love good. That's what verse 9 is. It's it's a summary of of, of, of what genuine love is. Genuine love hates evil and loves good. And so the rest of our passage is going to show us what we need to cling to, the good that we need to cling to. That's the rest of this passage. And verses 10 through 16 pertain to how love should operate within the church. And then the rest of the passage shows how love should operate, how we should use, uh, how love should operate outside of the church through the church, especially when we're being rejected and persecuted. So we're going to look at verses 10 through 16 now. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Genuine love edifies and unites. Genuine love edifies and unites within the church. Verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. That word brotherly is the word Philadelphia. We know that Philadelphia is what? The city of Rocky Balboa. (laughs) It is. That's my bucket list to run those steps at least once. But anyway, it's 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 the city of love, isn't it? And... Uh, you know what that means? It means that, you know the natural affections that a mom has for their, their, her, chi- her children? Um, the affections that brothers and sisters should have for each other? They have them usually when they're adults a lot of times, but 
that, that affection that you have for your natural family, he's saying that's what genuine love is for the church, to have those natural affections for those who are within the church, within the body of Christ. Do you have that affection for the church? You know what? If we, love, if we grow in genuine love, we will. That will continue to grow more and more. He then goes on to say, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is where the kingdom of God is just turned upside down compared to our, uh, this world. Because in this world, when you're in competition with someone, your goal is to tear them down, to bring them down. In the kingdom of heaven, when you're in competition with someone, it's about how can you build them up more than they can build you up. Now, this is not flattery. This isn't talking about telling people things that aren't true. This is, remember, Paul said, be genuine. Not fake. There's a fake kind of, oh, you know, I love you. I've been praying for you. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Wendy's the only one that, agree, that, that knows what I'm talking about. Thank you for being genuine this morning. <laughs> but he's saying, saying, use your mind to think of ways that you can honor people. Show them honor. We need to be encouraged, don't we, by one another. Truly encouraged. Verse 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal. That means don't be lazy or procrastinate. Be fervent in spirit. That means to be radiant and filled with enthusiasm and excitement as you serve the Lord. When you think about serving the Lord and his body and his church, are you filled with that? Or are you lazy and procrastinate? I'll I'll do that later. Verse 12 says, rejoice. That word rejoice means be glad in hope or in your expectation. You know what that's talking about? What is our hope? Our hope is built on nothing less than what? Jesus and righteousness, right? That's what we sang about this morning. Our hope is an expectation that's going to happen. And that is Jesus is going to come back, isn't he? He's going to give, thank you. He's going to give us new bodies. He's going to free us from this struggle with sin. Oh, that day when free from sinning, right? That's our hope. That's our expectation. He's going to make all things right. And the the question that, that I have to ask myself, is that where my hope is? Is my hope in him causing joy in me? Is that what I'm looking forward to? It's his return. He says, be patient. That word patient means to, to continue to, to bear up. Keep, stay faithful. Keep bearing up in tribulation. These tribulations is not talking necessarily about outside the church. It could be just regular living. The tribulations, the trials, the difficulties, the afflictions that we face day after day in this life, in this broken and fallen world, true love gives us patience, helps us to bear up in tribulation. It says to be constant in prayer. That word constant means to continue to do something with intense effort despite it being difficult. That's what genuine love does in a believer. Verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Now, this is not necessarily talking about... um, giving to the the church body, uh, to the church, and then the church giving 
um, from the budget to someone. This is saying that if you see a need, now notice it says the needs of the saints. This is talking about within the church. If you see a need within the church and you can meet it, it could be financial, but it also could mean that you have time to go and just talk to somebody, spend time with somebody, invite somebody in to your, to your world. But this is, this is talking about you don't need to come to me or Terry and go, hey, I see this need over here. Can the church meet it when it's one that you can meet? That's what it's talking about here. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Who are the saints? Anyone that has put their faith in Jesus. Saints are not just people on staff that are uh, pastors and um, someone that's up here. Everybody that puts their faith in Jesus, guess what? We have, we're exactly the same righteousness. We're, we're equal in Christ, every single one of us. He says, and then to seek to show hospitality. Now, in our church, we, we see the scriptures teaching that the kingdom of heaven is primarily about per, uh, relationships and our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So we value hospitality where we invite each other into our homes. We have meals together, and, and that goes on in our church frequently. But that's not what this is talking about right here. This is not talking about getting together with people that you know and that you enjoy being with. This is actually talking about uh, coming together with those who are not your family or close friends, but rather they're strangers to you, people that you don't know very well. And that word seek, that means to pursue, it, or it also means to persecute somebody. So there's this sense of aggressiveness in this commandment right, right here in, it, in what, what uh, true, genuine love does. So if you see a stranger in your midst, this morning if you see somebody that's a stranger, persecute them with love. Now, be careful. Some people, that does feel like persecution. We've got to know, you know, how to approach people. But really, there should be that desire in us, as Christ produces it in us, to begin to see the stranger in our midst, someone that doesn't, we don't know. Is that, does that describe you? Verse 15 Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now remember, again, Paul has, says, has already said that love must be genuine. And uh, in other words, don't be fake. So uh, we need to genuinely enter into people's lives wherever they are. And this means, and this is, I was really uh, convicted of this just recently, um, we need to let people express their experiences to a point that I'm actually listening so that I can get into their life and understand where they're coming from. Um, how many times does someone tell you a story and trying to relate, you tell your story, your story too, right? You know, they're like, yeah, last week uh, someone really close to me passed away. And, and you're, you're going to relate, right? Yeah. Um, my goldfish died, and I know exactly what you're saying. You know, Trying to relate with people, with a story that doesn't help the situation, right? And so that's what I'm saying. We need to learn to listen. We need to learn to let people talk and get it out. That, that enables 
us to um, enter into their joys and enter into their sorrows. We need to learn to listen. And then verse 16 is, it's one thought that is followed by three explanations. One thought that's followed by three explanations. The thought is this, live in harmony with one another. Uh, you might have a translation that says, be, be of the same mind. And this doesn't mean that, that, that you can't see things differently. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about that you need to see each other equally. That is, you need to see that we are of equal value, created in the image of God, so that you'll love without showing favoritism. That's what this, this um, passage, this verse is getting at. And that's why it says, the three things after it says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Now, the lowly, it could mean those who are uh, poor, but it also could mean anyone that you're tempted to feel superior to. How do you know if you're feeling superior to somebody? Well, one thing is you, may, you just don't want to associate with them. It also could mean that they annoy you. It also could mean that you, you thank God that you're not like them. Like the Pharisee that said, Lord, I praise you that I'm not like other men. And that's where true love helps us to see people that we are all equal and that we need to be treated equally. And it says, never be wise in your own eyes. This is, this is kind of like last week's sermon, the few verses ahead uh, before, where it says, be sober-minded when we're dealing with one another. So this is how we are called to love our brothers, these verses right here. This is how we're called to love our sisters in Christ. And then in verse 14 and in in verses 17 through 21, Paul moves from loving those inside the church to those who are outside the church, specifically how we are to overcome those who oppose us because we are following Jesus. Okay, so we're going to look at how love expresses itself outside the church. Genuine love conquers through blessing. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. You know what that word bless means? It means to ask God to bestow divine favor upon someone. And to be persecuted means to systematically organize a program to oppress and to harm you. That's what persecution is, when someone intentionally is trying to harm you. And what does it say? This is where it gets difficult, isn't it? This is where it gets difficult to follow Jesus. This is where to trust him, especially when someone is systematically organizing a program to oppress me and harass me. Because the last thing I want to do is to pray, Lord, this person's trying to harm me, so I ask that you would just bless them. I pray that you would do good upon them, that your favor would be upon them. This is, listen, this is supernatural love, isn't it? Uh, It's not something that we can produce in and of ourselves. But Paul doesn't stop there. In verse 17, he says, repay no one evil for evil. 
but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In other words, if someone pays you with evil, genuine love considers how can I honorably deal with this situation. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is a a verse that we quote almost every week when we're doing the Lord's Supper, that we need to examine ourselves. Is there anyone in your life that you could be living peaceably with, but you're not? Do everything you can to live peaceably with all. Verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And you know, there's, there's times when our children were little. We had older children and younger children, and we would leave the older children in charge of the younger children. They would be my representative, mine and Kelly's representatives. And there's three things that they, uh, I'm sorry, there's two things that they could do. Number one is they could love their brothers and sisters and take care of them. Secondly, they could warn them. You need to stop doing that because dad's coming back. Dad's going to be home. But there's one thing they could never do, and that is they could not discipline their brothers and sisters. Um, And that's because they wouldn't know how to properly do it. Do you all know what I'm talking about with siblings? Because with siblings, when it's the other person, they always have this really heavy death penalty type uh, thing that needs to go upon their brother or sister, right? They always want mercy, you know? And they always come to you when they're telling on their brother and sister and go, Dad, i got to tell you what they did. Like they're really sad, right? <laughs> siblings don't know how. To, do it, to give right judgment. And that's the same way with us, with our brothers and sisters, with one another. Only God knows how to execute perfect and appropriate judgment on those uh, who refuse to repent. And our hope is to win them, to conquer them, so that they will experience what we've experienced, and that is the mercy of God. True love never avenges it itself. Verse 20, to the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For, so, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this sounds so good, doesn't it? Until you have to put it into action. Have you ever seen um, genuine love conquering through blessing in your life? Because I have. And I saw it back when I was in second grade. My oldest sister had a classmate that was uh, bullying her in school and just giving her a hard time. My sister would come home just really distraught. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, I had uh, brotherly affection for my sister. No one picks on my sister but me. And they were bullying her. And so I could feel up this rising up. We need to do something about this. And... uh, Fortunately, I have a mom that loves the Lord, and she taught us, uh, hey, listen, that's not the way to do it if we're going to be disciples of Jesus. That's not how we're going to operate. And uh, they did something that uh, blew my mind. Um, they, my, sister, my mom told my sister, go to school and invite Raylene, that was her name, over for the weekend. 
And I was like, this is never going to work. But she went and invited the girl over, and she came over to the house. And over the weekend, we had dinners together. We played games together. Uh, if, you've, if you've ever been over at my, uh, where I live, I live on the same place that I grew up on, but there's a creek down at the bottom that we used to uh, build um, dams and look for crawfish. We played in the, the creek all day. By the end of the weekend, Raylene was my sister's best friend. I have seen the love when you love someone, the blessing that God can use to conquer that person through love. You actually conquer them by winning them. And that's, that's um, what it looks like. That's a, for me, that's a living example of how that has played out in my life. And what we have been talking about in chapter 12 is renewing our minds, haven't we? We've been talking about offering ourselves to Christ as a living sacrifice in light of of what Christ has done for us, in light of what Jesus has done for us. And this morning, as we've been going through this passage, you may be looking at this and going, this is, there's no way. I may not even be saved based upon how difficult, how stringent this is, what what love calls us to. And I want to read something from the Apostle Paul that helped me this week because when I was reading this, I literally, um, I, I had despair in me, honestly, if I'm really truthful. And here's what the Apostle Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He's talking about going after Christ. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. You see that? This is the Apostle Paul. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why does he press on? Because Jesus has already shown him, I love you. If you know that Jesus loves you and you see something that he's laid out this morning, know that he still loves you because he saw that before he loved you, before he came to you, okay? So he's just, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on, that's what he says. Let those, and look at this, let those of us who are mature think this way. You want to grow in your thinking? Trust that when God shows you something, and it shows you that you're not like Jesus, the mature way to think is that he's wanting to change me and to grow me, to make me more like Jesus. This is an opportunity for me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal, it, reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. As we've taken steps forward, let's Don't go back. Keep going forward. The whole point that that I'm trying to make this morning is that what I just read is what genuine love looks like. And this is supernatural love that God, only God, can produce in us. And how does it happen? By believing that he loves us. If we're going to give the love of Christ to others, we must first receive it. 
And so what I want us to do this morning is just to take some time. Instead of like saying, I'm going to do this or that, I want you to remember. Take some time to remember what Christ has done for you. A question you can ask is, does Jesus really love me? Does he really love me? If, if, you've, if there's something in here that's, that's convicted you, does Jesus still love me? I knew he loved me yesterday, but right now I don't feel like it. Does he love me? And then go to the cross and remember, yes, he does, because he showed it to me by being the perfect sacrifice and dying in my place.